Hi everyone, and welcome to God's Plan, Your Part, a podcast where our goal is to read the entire Bible in a year, seeking to understand God's plan of redemption while discovering daily and practically your part in it. All right, everybody, welcome back to God's Plan, Your Part. Today we are looking at Numbers chapter 31 and 32. Uh, Basically, the Israelites are going to get vengeance against the Midianites uh, for a lot of the sexual sin and worship of Baal that has been occurring. Um, so this is basically basically like recounting that war, uh, as well as talking about some of these tribes that do not, these tribes of Israel that do not want to go into the promised land. They actually want this nice land on one side of the Jordan instead of crossing the Jordan. Um, so as we read over these chapters, Jenny, what sticks out to you? What do you have questions about? What are you frustrated about? Et cetera, et cetera. Mm-hmm. Well, I guess I described this earlier as like feeling like I'm on another bad date with God where I'm like wait you did what (laughs) Um, they're wiping out this nation of people and along with it that means all all males old and young Mm -hmm. so I guess having three sons of my own that just like doesn't sit well so it's like this well known argument or People often go to this that how can such a loving God be so um, war-seeking or um, murderous? <laughs> it kind of feels like that because he's directing the people to go in. And what was the word you used earlier? To drive them out? Yeah, he, he wants to drive them out. Mm-hmm. Uh, the ESV uses the word dispossess, which I actually really like. Um, there's, there's no question that this is complicated. And so I don't want to shy away from that. I don't want to like make this seem like a happy passage. There's a lot of killing here. Mm-hmm. Um, so I want to call out a couple things, then we can get into this argument. So about... how does that work all the time? Because I'll be the first one to call that out. Like, I would say I believe what the Bible says. I fully believe that God is the like the Lord of my life. I follow him. I trust him. But then I read things like this. And how do we go from a place where God calls Moses to tell the people you should not murder and give all this moral code and then tell them to go and just slaughter an entire nation of people. Now, granted, they're not serving him or pursuing him or any of those things, but it just seems really contradictory to his character and what he desires for his people. It seems very backwards to So me. I'll give you the... the- quick pointed answer and then I'll explain it some the quick pointed answer is that here I believe the Israelites are an instrument uh, an instrument of divine justice so God is loving God is gracious God is compassionate he is also holy and because he's holy he has to be just and because he's just he has to deliver judgment on people who are sinful and against him so if you this is very hypothetical yeah if you were an Israelite of that time you are very pacifist. <laughs> I'm non-resistant. Yeah, that, sure. <laughs> you would have a really hard time being like, yep, sure, I'll just go right in and do the terrible, awful killing that you require. <laughs> so since you would have... For call- real! Would- I think those are, like, good questions because it doesn't make sense to me at all. And I would say that I am a, a believer in in the Lord. And there's a lot of people who aren't that are like, that's messed up. All right. So we'll back out. Um, God is the one ordering the conquest. So that changes it entirely. This is, this is not, this is not a president. This is not a king. This Mm -hmm. is not a prime minister. This is God, like the head of this theocracy that is Israel saying, Hey, 
it's time to judge these people. God actually said in Genesis uh, 15, I believe, could be 12 or 15, I think it's 15. Uh, God said in Genesis 15 that Abraham's descendants would take the land. Remember, Genesis is far from this. Mm-hmm. Uh, that they they would possess the land, but not yet because the sins of the Amorites were not yet complete. The Amorites are like this is the people Abraham in this time. area. This is Abraham time way before. I believe God was allowing those people opportunities to repent and come to him. I believe some of those people actually did repent and turn to him because we meet different groups of people that are not Israelites that know mm-hmm. the Lord. Um I also think that in this passage, like God's long-suffering nature has ended. He is now judging the people for their sin. It is God's right to judge people for sin whenever he wants. He can take 40 years to do that. He can do that immediately. Mm -hmm. Um, So since you're going to challenge my pacifism immediately, one, I see that as a second-tier doctrine. So if you are not a pacifist, (laughs) I'm not going to get in a fight with you. Um, Well... Because I'm a pacifist. Oh, my gosh. Um, But because God is holy, these people are not holy. They are now coming under judgment. The inciting incident is twofold. One, the Israelites are coming to possess the land that God told them to. Mm -hmm. Two, Balaam has convinced. Balaam, the guy that we saw in the last episode, he has convinced um, the women, basically, to seduce the Israelites into worshiping Baal. So one of the things that the Israelites are commanded to do is kill off the women who have been sexually active. And you can read that and be like, well, that's a weird command, until you realize mm-hmm. that the cult of Baal is a sexual cult. And if you know anything about men, <laughs> they're kind of into that stuff. So the, the Israelite men have been seduced. And God is like, nope, this is not going to happen. We're executing judgment immediately. And mm-hmm. Balaam is actually one of the ones that gets killed with the sword because of this. Like, yeah. judgment is on them. So God is holy. God can command the Israelites to execute judgment whenever he wants. Um, now, there's another thing that we'll talk about more. Because there's going to be there, this question is going to be raised plenty of times mm-hmm. as we read through this. There's another interesting thing that gets lost in these conversations pretty quickly. Um, in Judges, Judges is further ahead, we're going to read Judges for a little while. In Judges chapter 7, Gideon is given instructions to fight and defeat the Midianites. Well, if the Midianites were completely mm-hmm. wiped out in Numbers chapter 31 or 32. How the heck did they end up in Judges? Why is there still Midianites yeah. in Judges? <laughs> and so I think that, I, I don't want to whitewash it, a lot of people were killed. This was mm-hmm, a bloody mm-hmm. war. The, the the men that were in the war actually had to stay outside the camp so that they could be declared clean, like after mm-hmm. following all those regulations for dead people. Um, however, I think when the ESV chooses to use the word dispossessed, I think a lot of people got away. They ran away. Mm-hmm. And so I think that we will read many um, accounts of battles that are hyperbolic in nature. That is, they're using like exaggerations. That's not saying that the Bible's lying. Mm-hmm. Um, it's saying that they did not account for every single individual person. Um, because we oftentimes will read of a people group that was completely destroyed. And then we will read again in the, in the future of that people group existing mm-hmm. and causing problems again. Um, so I don't think that every single Midianite was killed. I think some of them ran away. Some of them fleed. Some of them surrendered. Well, do you... So, okay. When you put it into a perspective of this, like, this long time opportunity for these people to turn away or or come back to or find God, I guess, however you want to put it, it makes it, it makes it seem much more valid. Like, do you know people who... I was saying this when you were talking about it. 
there are certain people who are really good storytellers and you get a lot of background and like mm -hmm. credibility as they tell stories. And then there's other people who just like, they can walk into a room and be like, somebody outside just fainted. Like, mm -hmm. you have no background for it. Well, did they have... Were they running? Mm -hmm. Did they, like, see something that shocked them? <laughs> did they, like, hurt themselves? Whatever. Uh, I definitely know a lot of people like that because you're just like, oh, my gosh, like, what's going on? Um, but when you actually take the time to look and, like, find the details behind a lot of these stories or things that we're leading up to or things that are to come, it's helpful to have a lot of that context because it feels like a lot of times when we're reading these stories that... It's just like kind of that like word vomit story, like, and then this happened. And it's shocking because mm -hmm. there's not a ton of context if you're not looking for it or you're not super aware of it, like myself. <laughs> <laughs> so that is helpful in putting that into better perspective that it was or seems to have been a long time coming for them. Like they had many opportunities to, to turn it around since the time of Abraham. Like, holy cow. Yeah, and we'll we'll see. I mean, one one thing, don't forget, God actually executes judgment on his own people mm -hmm. many times. Many times, yeah. And so God is like, hey, God's holy. Like, he requires holiness before him. So he holds that standard to his own people in Israel. We've, se we've seen Israel suffer lots of calamity. Mm -hmm. um, and now he is demanding that same holiness of these peoples um, as his nation of priests comes into their midst. So the people that represent the Lord are coming into these people who are far from the Lord, uh, representing him and executing judgment on them. God is welcome to do that whenever he wants because he is the the ruler of mm -hmm. the earth. Um, and I think what's very interesting is that he is gracious. Uh, don't forget when Jonah goes into Nineveh, he doesn't want to... He doesn't want to prophesy to Nineveh because he knows that God will enjoy forgiving <laughs> them if they turn from their sin. What a jerk. <laughs> We'll have plenty of time for Jenny to rant about Jonah in the future. Well, um, oh, sorry. But I, I think that's, we'll have plenty of time to talk about this more. Mm -hmm. um, and it is complicated. I don't want to, I don't want to whitewash it and make it seem like it's no big deal. Uh, it's a lot to stomach, especially for a non-resistant Mennonite. Mm -hmm. Well, then in 30, let's see, what was it? 32? Yeah. 32. You've got these dummies from Gad and Reuben's clans that are like, well, you know, let's just not cross the Jordan over to where we're supposed to be going because this land right here looks actually really great. We should just kind of take it easy on ourselves and, and raise our flocks and whatever we need right here. And Moses gets like really irritated. He's just like, are you nuts? Like, do we do we have to go back and do this whole 40-year thing again? <laughs> Like, that would be genuinely frustrating. Like It's probably worth calling out, like, as you were listening to me read it, you actually mm -hmm. thought he was demanding another 40 years. I did, yeah. That's not what's happening. He's just recounting it. Actually, the footnote in this study Bible says, Moses is shocked by mm -hmm. Reuben and Gad's request. Because he sees it as a lack of faith. Yeah. They, they're they actually just looking at the land and be like, wow, this is really nice land. Like, we wouldn't <laughs> mind staying here. It's like serving a sentence and then being like, oh, man. I should yeah. just go steal something right now. Just relax back in prison for another 40 years. No, 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 no. So actually in the context of the, the conversation we just had about God's holiness and his judgment, mm -hmm. um, in thirty two, uh, chapter 32, verse 23, he's talking to these guys that want to stay on the other side of the Jordan. But if you will not do so, if you don't keep your word, behold, you have sinned against the Lord and be sure your sin will find you out. 
Mm-hmm. Um, and then the, the footnote, you'll suffer for your sin. That's what the actual language means. So he, no. he's basically saying, like, you better do what you're saying you will do. <laughs> Shut up! Or you'll be judged. And <laughs> yeah. so, again, this is, this is one of those things that's lost on us because we spend so much time talking about a loving God and he is loving. And so we don't want to be lopsided with our uh, theology. But he's also holy and we need to worship him as both. Uh, so maybe a great takeaway for today. This is obviously kind of a challenging one. I think uh, there's some pretty compelling conversation to be had about this. I don't know that there's a lot of direct application for your day. I hope there's not a lot yeah, of direct for real. application for your oh day. Oh my gosh. Um, but I think something that can be helpful is this is a challenging uh, question that comes up many times about God being a God of genocide in the Old Testament. Um, if we want to be good students of the word and we want to be good students of who God is, we actually should have an answer for that. And we should, again, find it from Scripture, just like we talked about yesterday um, when we deal with the roles of women in church or um, gender roles and that kind of stuff. We want to get our answers from Scripture. Uh, when we deal with these questions about God and his character, we want to get those answers from Scripture. And so you guys are doing that. And that's why we're doing this journey through the whole Bible. Um, it is going to help you understand better how to handle these kinds of questions um, and how to know God better and actually what he's authentically like better. So Mm -mm. I think that's a takeaway. I don't know if it actually counts as a takeaway, but we'll see you tomorrow. Mm -mm. Bye. Hey, thanks so much for listening to our take on God's word. Stick around and listen to the word uh, on the second part of the podcast. Before we get in there, uh, we just want to remind you, you can connect with us at any time on social media and YouTube at God's plan, your part. Also, we are a listener supported podcast. So if you ever want to help us out with the ministry that we're doing, uh, you can do that by clicking the link in our description. And now here's the reading for today. Numbers chapter 31. The Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Avenge the people of Israel on the Midianites. Afterward, you shall be gathered to your people. So Moses spoke to the people, saying, Arm men from among you for the war, that they may go against Midian to execute the Lord's vengeance on Midian. You shall send a thousand from each of the tribes of Israel to the war. So there were provided out of the thousands of Israel, a thousand from each tribe, twelve thousand armed for war. And Moses sent them to the war, a thousand from each tribe, together with Phinehas, the son of Eleazar the priest, with the vessels of the sanctuary and the trumpets for the alarm in his hand. They warred against Midian, as the Lord commanded Moses, and killed every male. They killed the kings of Midian with the rest of their slain. Evi, Rechem, Zur, Hur, and Reba, the five kings of Midian. And they also killed Balaam, the son of Beor, with the sword. And the people of Israel took captive the women of Midian and their little ones, and they took as plunder all their cattle, their flocks, and all their goods. All their cities and the places where they lived and all their encampments they burned with fire, and took all the spoil and all the plunder, both of man and of beast. Then they brought the captives and the plunder and the spoil to Moses and to Eleazar the priest and to the congregation of the people of Israel, the camp on the plains of Moab by the Jordan at Jericho. Moses and Eleazar the priest and all the chiefs of the congregation went to meet them outside the camp. And Moses was angry with the officers of the army, the commanders of the thousands of the commanders of hundreds, who had come from service in the war. Moses said to them, Have you let all the women live? Behold, these on Balaam's advice caused the people of Israel to act treacherously against the Lord in the incident of Peor. And so the plague came among the congregation of the Lord. Now therefore kill every male among the little ones, and kill every woman who has known man by lying with him. But all the young girls who have not known man by lying with them, keep alive for yourselves. 
and camp outside the camp seven days. Whoever of you has killed any person and whoever has touched any slain, purify yourselves and your captives on the third day and on the seventh day. You shall purify every garment, every article of skin, all work of goat's hair, and every article of wood. Then Eleazar the priest said to the men in the army who had gone to battle, This is the statute of the law that the Lord has commanded Moses. Only the gold, the silver, the bronze, the iron, the tin, and the lead. Everything can stand in the fire. You shall pass through the fire, and it shall be clean. Nevertheless, it shall also be purified with the water for impurity. And whatever cannot stand the fire, you shall pass through the water. You must wash your clothes on the seventh day, and you shall be clean. And afterward you may come into the camp. The Lord said to Moses, Take the count of the plunder that was taken, both of man and of beast, you and Eleazar the priest, and the heads of the fathers' houses of the congregation, and divide the plunder into two parts between the warriors who went out to battle and all the congregation, and levy for the Lord a tribute from the men of war who went out to the battle, one out of five hundred of the people and the oxen and the donkeys of the flocks. Take it from their half and give it to Eleazar the priest as a contribution to the Lord. And from the people of Israel, half you shall take, one drawn out of every fifty of the people, of the oxen, of the donkeys, and of the flocks, of all the cattle, and give them to the Levites, who keep guard over the tabernacle of the Lord. And Moses and Eleazar the priest did as the Lord commanded Moses. Now the plunder remaining of the spoil that the army took was 675,000 sheep, 72,000 cattle, 61,000 donkeys, and 32,000 persons in all, women who had not known man by lying with him. And the half, the portion of those who had gone out in the army, numbered 337,500 sheep, and the Lord's tribute of sheep was 675. The cattle were 36,000, of which the Lord's tribute was 72. The donkeys were 30,500, of which the Lord's tribute was 61. The persons were 16,000, of which the Lord's tribute was 32 persons. And Moses gave the tribute, which was the contribution for the Lord to Eleazar the priest, as the Lord commanded Moses. From the people of Israel's half, which Moses separated from that of the men who had served in the army, now the congregation's half was 337,500 sheep, 36,000 cattle, and 30,500 donkeys, and 16,000 persons. From the people of Israel, half Moses took for one of every fifty, both of persons and of beasts, and gave them to the Levites who kept guard over the tabernacle of the Lord, as the Lord commanded Moses. Then the officers who were over thousands of the army, the commanders of thousands and the commanders of hundreds, came near to Moses and said to Moses, Your servants have counted the men of war who are under our command, and there is not a man missing from us. And we have brought the Lord's offering what each man found, articles of gold, armlets, and bracelets, signet rings, earrings, and beads, to make atonement for ourselves before the Lord. And Moses and Eleazar the priests received from them the gold all crafted articles, and all the gold of the contribution that they presented to the Lord from the commanders of thousands and the commanders of hundreds was 16,750 shekels. The men in the army had each taken plunder for himself. And Moses and Eleazar the priest received the gold from the commanders of the thousands and of hundreds and brought it into the tent of meeting as a memorial for the people of Israel before the Lord. Now the people of Reuben and the people of Gad had a very great number of livestock, and they saw the land of Jazer and the land of Gilead, and behold, the place was a great place for livestock. So the people of Gad and the people of Reuben came and said to Moses and to Eleazar the priest and to the chiefs of the congregation, Adaroth, Dibon, Jazer, Nemrah, Heshbon, Eliah, Sabam, Nebo, and Beon. The land that the Lord struck down before the congregation of Israel is a land for livestock, and your servants have livestock. 
And they said, If we have found favor in your sight, let this land be given to your servants as a possession. Do not take us across the Jordan. But Moses said to the people of Gad and to the people of Reuben, Shall your brothers go to the war while you sit here? Why will you discourage the heart of the people of Israel from going over into the land the Lord has given them? Your fathers did this, when I sent them from Kadesh Barnea to see the land. For when they went up to the valley of Eskol and saw the land, they discouraged the heart of the people of Israel from going into the land that the Lord had given them. And the Lord's anger was kindled on that day, and he swore, saying, Surely none of the men who came up out of Egypt from twenty years old and upward shall see the land that I swore to give to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob, because they have not wholly followed me. None except Caleb the son of Jephunneh, and the Kenizzite, and Joshua the son of Nun, for they have wholly followed the Lord. And the Lord's anger was kindled against Israel, and he made them wander in the wilderness forty years until all the generation that had done evil in the sight of the Lord was gone. And behold, you have risen in your father's place, a brood of sinful men, to increase still more the fierce anger of the Lord against Israel. For if you turn away from following him, he will again abandon them in the wilderness, and you will destroy all this people. Then they came near to him and said, We will build sheepfolds here for our livestock and cities for our little ones. But we will take up arms ready to go before the people of Israel until we have brought them to their place. And our little ones shall live in the fortified cities because of the inhabitants of the land. We will not return to our homes until each one of the people of Israel has gained his inheritance. For we will not inherit with them on the other side of the Jordan and beyond, because our inheritance has come to us on this side of the Jordan to the east. So Moses said to them, If you will do this, if you will take up arms and go before the Lord for the war, and every armed man of you will pass over the Jordan before the Lord, until he has driven out his enemies from before him, and the land is subdued before the Lord, then after that you shall return and be free of obligation to the Lord and to Israel. And this land shall be your possession before the Lord. But if you will not do so, behold, you have sinned against the Lord, and be sure your sin will find you out. Build cities for your little ones and folds for your sheep, and do what you have promised. And the people of Gad and the people of Reuben said to Moses, Your servants will do as my Lord commands. Our little ones, our wives, our livestock, and our cattle shall remain there in the cities of Gilead, but your servants will pass over every man who is armed for war before the Lord to battle as my Lord orders. So Moses gave command concerning them to Eleazar the priest and to Joshua the son of Nun and the heads of the fathers' houses of the tribes of the people of Israel. And Moses said to them, If the people of Gad and the people of Reuben, every man who is armed to battle before the Lord, will pass with you over the Jordan and the land shall be subdued before you, then you shall give them the land of Gilead for a possession. However, if they will not pass over with you armed, they shall have possessions among you in the land of Canaan. And the people of Gad and the people of Reuben answered, What the Lord has said to your servants, we will do. We will pass over armed before the Lord into the land of Canaan, and the possession of our inheritance shall remain with us beyond the Jordan. And Moses gave to them, to the people of Gad, and to the people of Reuben, and to the half-tribe of Manasseh, the son of Joseph, the kingdom of Sihon, king of the Amorites, and the kingdom of Og, king of Bashan, the land and its cities with their territories, the cities of the land throughout the country. And the people of Gad built Dibon, Adaroth, Eror, Atroth, Sophan, Jazer, Jagabah, Beth Nimrah, and Beth Haran, fortified cities and folds for sheep. And the people of Reuben built Heshbon, Aliyah, Kithram, Nebo, and Baal-Meon. Their names were changed, and Sibma. And they gave other names to the cities they built. And the sons of Machir, the sons of Manasseh, went to Gilead and captured it, and dispossessed the Amorites who were in it. And Moses gave Gilead to Machir, the son of Manasseh, and he settled in it. 
And Jer, the son of Manasseh, went and captured their villages and called them Havoth-Jer. And Nobah went and captured Kenath and its villages and called it Nobah after his own name. Thanks so much for listening to God's Plan, Your Part. If anything stuck out to you, if you have any questions, or if you'd like to receive a Bible, you can email us at godsplanyourpart at gmail.com. Also, if you're enjoying the podcast, please consider supporting us through the link in our description. We love that you're on this journey with us, and we hope you have a great day. See you tomorrow.